Welcome to Mill City Church. I'm Stephanie. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm super glad to see all of you here worshiping with us this morning. Uh, let's start off with a word of prayer, and then we'll jump into the word together. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, I thank you for the opportunity that we have to be here to worship you in this public school. As we come in here today, and, and it's hot, we are reminded that there are kids that are going to come here tomorrow, and it's probably still going to be hot. And God, we need your presence to make a difference in their lives. God, we need you to... to to move into this space, Holy Spirit, and change the situations that you would make wrong things right. We thank you so much for the hospitality of Sheridan School hosting us every weekend, and we pray, God, that you would bless them in Jesus' name. And we pray, God, that this morning this would be a sanctuary to you, that where your people gather, that is a sanctuary. It could be outside, it could be in any building, but here we are to worship you. We ask, God, that you would speak to each one of us, Jesus, that you would draw close to those who are brokenhearted, that you would uh, speak energy and motivation to those who are feeling leery and weary. And God, that we would be different people when we left today than when we came in. It's in the powerful name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Well, welcome to the month-long celebration of Mill City Church's 10th birthday, everybody. We're so excited. Uh, Pastor J.D. mentioned some of the details of that uh, coming up. But we're actually using the sermon time to talk about this, this benchmark, it's a benchmark, a, a watershed moment, it's a time where we stop and we say, let's look back at all that God has done, and then let's say, where are we right now as we look towards the future? So if you've been around Mill City for a little while, not even that long, some of you haven't, you might begin to notice that out of the four weeks that we're going to have this conversation about God's mission through Mill City Church, we spent the first week looking back on the first 10 years, and the rest of them are going to be about the future. Yes, because that's what we're about here. We love it. And, and then also just right now. What is God doing right now? The truth is we ask this question all the time. What is God doing in our lives and how do we respond? The truth is you're actually always looking at the past, aren't you, when you ask that question. It might be the moment that just happened or last week or last month or last year or over your lifetime, but we're kind of walking backwards into the future if you think about it. We're always watching and looking and saying, what is God doing and how does that cause me to move as I step into God's future? But at the same time, we want to say, okay, here's where God has us and what does that mean about how we're going to intentionally step into the future? And so this week we start uh, the, the next 10 years. So we said the last 10 years last year, uh, the first 10 years, check that out online. And now we're, we're here and we're saying, what about the next 10 years? And I don't know the future, but I know the trajectory that we hope to be on as people who are joining God's mission together. So that's what we're talking about today. And today, one of the things that I want to focus on is how 10 years ago when we started this church, and still too true today, we are committed to the neighborhood, okay? We're committed to the neighborhood, and on the screen I put it in quotes because I want to specifically define neighborhood today. So as we were having this conversation, as we were giving the, the, the community time, you were invited to talk about describing your neighborhood. How many of you described a place where you live, if you described it? Did anybody describe a place where you work or any other place? Okay, that's also a neighborhood. Sociologists have been saying that the workplace is the new neighborhood because of how much time we spend in these places. And so we're going to talk about this concept of neighborhood and this concept of neighbor broadly in that way today. As we say, as we look towards the next 10 years, we are going to stay committed to the neighborhood. And that definitely means Northeast Minneapolis, where you are right now, but it also means everywhere that you are spending your everyday spaces is the way that I'm going to define it. We're going to love our community in the name of Jesus. That's our mission here. And so this has been true since the beginning of our community, but pretty quickly we realized that as a large group, we're going to focus on loving Northeast Minneapolis. 
because there's thousands of people that live in this part of the city, so we don't need to stretch ourselves too thin. But we also realize pretty quickly that the calling for all of us as we're sent out from this place is to go to our everyday spaces in the neighborhoods where you live, where you work, where you learn, where you play, to love those communities in the name of Jesus at the same time as we're sent from this place. And together as a large group, we focus on Northeast. So you all represent so many different neighborhoods where you live and where you work and where you learn and where you play, those, those different spaces. And so uh, I, I brought a little slide. Can you put the little infographic slide up? I want you to really think about this reality. All, when I say all your everyday spaces today, I mean where you worship. Here is one of the places at least you worship because you're here right now, okay? So Northeast Minneapolis. Where you live, where you work, where you play, where you learn. These are your everyday spaces. These are your neighborhoods. These are the communities that Jesus has, out of his love for you, called you to love with an overflow of his love in your life onto the people that are right around you. And that's what we're going to talk about here today. So I, um, I want you to remember this one phrase, if you remember anything today, and we'll put it up on the screen. The primary space that you and I live the mission of Mill City Church is in our everyday spaces. The primary space that we live the mission of Mill City Church is in those everyday spaces. Not primarily when we're here as a big group. That's just one of the places. All right, got it? So uh, we were thinking about this question, how would you describe your neighborhood? And I actually, this summer, uh, did this with a few people, some of you are those people, and encouraged people to walk around their neighborhood where they live, um, they could do where they work, and then just take a picture of something that resonates with you as you look at it, and wonder if God's trying to get your attention in some way. So that was really beneficial because then I was able to bring you pictures of my neighborhood, because you can see them. So my neighborhood is, I live down the street from the Mill City Commons where you're all invited to party this afternoon. I also uh, live right next to some huge train tracks where I can't even imagine how many goods are right in my backyard, literally going through. You can hear them, you can hear the trains, so I know that they're working. Uh, I live right by some train tracks, so I took that picture. There's a nice picture of the Commons backyard, some other trains. Show this next slide. Uh, we've got a number of religious buildings in our neighborhood. We have a Catholic church that we live right next to, and so that's the selfie with Jesus that um, JD and I took. Um, at, Jesus doesn't have any thumbs, so I don't know if we want to make a deep spiritual meaning from that or not, but that Jesus has no thumbs, okay? I just, that's a picture of him with no thumbs. Uh, the Shambhala Meditation Center is right behind my house, a space where people gather for different religious purposes. And then finally, one of the largest um, uh, community gardens is right across the street from the commons and right down the street from my neighborhood. So that's some of the, the crops from this year. And then I think we have one more slide. Uh, it's also the home of 56 Brewery which is right across the street from the commons as well. Right there in that block, we've got the Mill City Commons, some houses, the largest community garden in Northeast, and 56 Brewery, which is the fastest growing brewery in the Twin Cities right now, as far as sales and stuff. So this is just right in my neighborhood. So I don't know how you would have described your neighborhood. I can also describe my neighborhood by saying it's diverse. We've got all ages, we've got all ethnic backgrounds, living on the different sides of me and my husband are people from all different ages, backgrounds, socioeconomic status, a lot of people in my neighborhood have lived there for generations. And so they're, uh, my neighbors, for instance, Patty and Penny, their parents bought that house from uh, the very first owner when the house was only 10 years old. Okay, so they've been living there for 50 years plus. And so this is very common in my neighborhood as well. I wonder how you would have described your neighborhood as you talk to people. I think it's a great question. I think that we need to recognize as I was defining neighborhood, I'm going to put the definitions up here for you. 
Neighborhood, the way I'm defining it is your everyday spaces, right? I said that with the little cool infographics. Woo. And then neighbors, the people who you are around in your everyday spaces. When I say neighbor, my brain goes right to the people who live next door to my house, but that's really not a very broad definition of neighbor. That's very, very narrow. A neighbor are the people you spend, they might be next to you in your cubicle. It might be a coworker that you see every day on the same route that you have, I don't know. But your neighbors are the people that you see in your everyday spaces, maybe at the coffee shops you go to, et cetera. All right, so we got those definitions down as I'm using them this morning. So I, I, I want us to think about the, the, the co-working, the working space for a second. So we've got our neighborhood and our workspace. Think about, for all of you, how far you live from where you work right now. Just have that in miles. How many miles would you guess that you work from your house? I work on the same block. Is that not the most rare? Does anybody else work on the same block? A couple people who work from home? Okay, so you're with me. Most people work miles away from where they live, right? So how many of you work at least three miles from where you live? Keep your hand up. How many people five miles from where you live? Eight miles from where you live? 10 miles you work from where you live? 11, 12, 13, 14. Some people are like, I work on the internet, it's everywhere. That's not what I'm asking. 15 miles, 16 miles, 17 miles. How many of you have to drive at least 20 miles because you work in a way that you have to, yes, okay. I just, I asked that question to say, you have more than one neighborhood, my friend. <laughs> I have basically this one main neighborhood, but we all have more than one neighborhood. You have your primary neighborhood and then maybe like a secondary or third neighborhood. Some of you work, your work in your life, work is a place where that's your primary neighborhood. Gut check, how many of you would say, I think my workplace is my primary neighborhood because of the time I spend there? Yeah, great, okay, that's what we're talking about today. If you have two different workplaces that are that far apart, those are your neighborhoods. Remember those distances for just a little bit later in this conversation. So today I want us to look at two passages uh, from the book of Luke. I'm just gonna describe one, I'm gonna read one for you. Uh, Luke and Acts. So Luke wrote both the Gospel of Luke and the book of Acts. And he wrote both of these books to a guy he calls Theophilus. So Pastor Mike a few weeks ago said uh, we should introduce our emails just like the book of Luke starts with most excellent Theophilus. And so he got a few emails that said the most excellent Michael. And he just seems like more better. He feels like he looks positive. He's feeling good. So if you want to keep sending those emails to Michael, thank you on behalf of the Mill City Church staff. I just feel like it's really been a positive experience for him. So what I want you to think about is how these, these experiences here we see in Luke and in Acts frame this conversation we're having about what it means for us to be sent out into the neighborhood and that be our primary space in which we live out the mission of our church. Uh, so I'm going to remind us of the first passage. It's Luke 10. We read it last week, so I'm just going to kind of give you an overview. So we're going to talk about Luke 9 and 10, which are very similar, and then skip to Acts 1. Luke 9 and 10 is the first account that Luke writes of Jesus sending people out. And Acts 1 has the last account of Jesus sending people out. And I think this is so interesting to look at these spaces. In that first time, that first passage that we read last week in Luke 10, 1 through 12, and also in Luke 9, Luke records this, this place where he sends, Jesus is sending people out. He says to go in groups of two. He tells them to watch out because it might be dangerous. But most importantly, they're supposed to look for people of peace. They're supposed to come to houses and say, hi, and extend peace and see if they, that peace rests on them, he says. Looking for those people of peace. And he's sending them not only to people's homes, but he's sending them with a job to do. He tells them, 
go and find the people who are working in the harvest fields because there's harvesting that's happening. So Jesus says, go and get a job. <laughs> go get a job with some other people. And as you're working alongside them and staying in their home and eating the food they give you and letting them pay you for working in their field, while you're there, heal anybody who's sick and tell people that the kingdom of God is near. Witness, be witnesses of the kingdom of God to these people. All right, now put your brain back then. All these people, they've been spending all this time with Jesus and now they're spending time in these homes and in these harvest fields working really hard and they see somebody who's, whose back is just killing them and they're like, I don't know what I'm going to do if I can't deal with this pain. I'm not going to be able to keep working and they start praying for this person and they're healed and they say, it's in the name of Jesus. Who's Jesus? Let me tell you about him. What would they be saying? Think about it. They just spent this time watching Jesus do all these things. They would be bearing witness. What is bearing witness? Sometimes we use the term witnessing. What is witnessing? They're bearing witness. Let me tell you about this Jesus guy. There was this man who had all these demons. He just spoke to him and the demons ran out of there. There was this other girl who was, we thought she was dead, but he brought her back to life. And then there was this other person who just needed some healing and he just touched them and they were healed. This guy is crazy, let me tell you. He is the new leader of the new kingdom. I can't even tell you all the things that we've seen. And guess what? He's going to come to this town. So look for him. He's going to come. Because Jesus said, go out to all the places that I'm about to go. Now keep that story in your mind and let's skip over to Luke, or to Acts 1. Luke is writing this kind of second book to say, okay, the gospel of Luke is Jesus' life all the way till his death and his resurrection. And now Acts, I think the best way to think of Acts is the actions of the Holy Spirit that people were joining in throughout that book. The book of Acts is telling the story of the beginning of the church. I think it's a great place to get what we would call in a seminary world ecclesiology or the study of the church, the, the meaning, what is the church, who is the church, how is the church the church. The book of Acts has some great answers to that, not just the book of Acts, but it often does. And so what has happened in this time? From the time Jesus sent people out the first time until the time that he's sending them out again, this final time, recorded in Acts 1, he's, he's done more ministry, he died, he came back to life, he's been shown to his disciples, and they were scared, and then they were overjoyed because he came back to life. And so now we pick up the story in Acts 1, just right in the very beginning, and I just want to read the first 11 verses for you. Acts 1, we'll have it up on the screen. So he starts by saying, in my former book, he's talking about the book of Luke, we call it now today. In my former book, Theophilus, he's not excellent anymore by this book, so I don't know what that means for Michael, but I don't know, the, the title excellence not there anymore. Yikes. I wrote about all the things in my former book that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up into heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles or to the disciples, to the people he had chosen, after his suffering... He presented himself to them, and he gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. The same thing that he was sending them out to do, to speak about the kingdom of God. What happens in the kingdom of God? People are healed, people are set free, people are forgiven. See, when I do that, then I lose my spot. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my Father has promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit, or the Holy Spirit will cover and be all amongst you. Then they gathered around him and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? 
They're asking kind of a, a political question. And Jesus says to them, It is not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses, witnesses, witnessing, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. After this, he was taken up before their very eyes, and a cloud hid them from their sight. They were looking up intently into the sky as he was going when all of a sudden two men dressed in white stood beside them. Men of Galilee, they said, why do you stand here looking into the sky? Be a weird scene. This same Jesus who's been taken from you into heaven will come back in the same way you have seen him go up into the sky, into heaven. There's a lot of ecclesiological work, ecclesiology, the study of what it means to be the church here in this passage. Let me walk through just a few things of what this means for the church that Jesus here, the last sending out, is for you to be witnesses, to bear witness to Jesus, the works and the words and the ways of Jesus, into all these spaces that are described here as Jer Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. So this is what I mean by the primary space that you live, the mission of Mill City Church, is in your everyday spaces. Because we see here, Jesus' last words in this account are being sent into those everyday spaces. And so we're, we're taking from that space and saying that Jesus spoke those to those people, but what does that mean for us today? They still gathered to encourage each other, to worship God, to be prepared, but they were gathering and being prepared for what? To be sent out to go into those everyday spaces where they would live out the, the primary mission of the church or the ecclesia or the gathering. The gathering was always for a greater purpose. Let's just walk through this text just a little bit. I want to go just a little bit deeper. In verse 3, did you notice how uh, Luke says Jesus did all these convincing proofs that he was alive? Why did Jesus do convincing proofs that he was alive? Because we struggle with doubt. <laughs> We, we sometimes feel like, I saw that with my own eyes, but now I don't know if I believe that anymore. Some of you have had experiences where you were sure that was God. And now as it's in the past a little bit, you're like, you know, I just don't know. Maybe that was something else. It doesn't feel, I'm confused. Yeah, that's normal. I think Jesus knew that that was going to be normal for people. That they were going to struggle to remember and to look at the past and say that was what God did. And that's why we were talking about how do we say what God did over these first 10 years? Because when we remember that, it gives us strength and courage for the purpose that we have. I think that's why Jesus was giving them convincing proofs. And if you're feeling like those convincing proofs don't feel very convincing in your life right now, honestly, the place to start is in receiving more love from Jesus. To start with receiving love from Jesus because that love overflowing out of your life is what it's really going to look like to, to bear witness, to say to somebody else, I know you feel alone, but you're not alone because God loves you. And I know because I've received this love and I can't help but share it with you. And we figure out how to do that in our own ways, in the right words that come to us in our life. The next thing we see in verse 5 is that Jesus tells them to wait. Anybody here a big fan of waiting? Okay, cool. Not a big fan of waiting. I hate waiting. I'm impatient. It's a struggle. Pray for me. Pray for my husband. It's hard to wait. But Jesus was making it clear that you're waiting for something specific and it was for God to move. And if you're going to wait for God to move, what are you going to do? Next thing, you're going to listen and you're going to look. You're going to listen for God's voice and you're going to look for what God's doing. And that's exactly what they did. They went to Jerusalem and they waited and they listened and they looked until God's spirit came. And then 
You see them question something right there, though. They say, but, 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 when are you going to do this exactly, Jesus, and exactly what are you doing? I think in that space, what Jesus is inviting them in his response, he says, it's not for you to know. People who need to know it all the time, it's not for you to know exactly the time that God's going to do something. You have to trust God. And so I think that's the next thing. You have to trust God's timing. So we see in this passage, can we put those arrows up there for me, Adam? We see these things. We wait, we listen, and we look. We trust God's timing. And then finally, Jesus makes it very clear, go, go and bear witness. Go and bear witness. And then he says very specifically where to go and bear witness. He says, go to Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, which are right next to each other, and then to the ends of the earth. To the ends of the earth. It sounds like the thing at the end of your job description that says other duties as assigned. Right? It's like, well, you just Jerusalem, Judea and Samaria, and then really anything. So get used to it. <laughs> when Jesus is saying Jerusalem, Judea, and to the ends of the earth, many scholars would say he's both being literal, but there's also a way in which we can see this as representative as a representative of what that might mean for those folks, but also for all of us, okay? So I want to talk about that a little bit today and give you some examples of what I mean by that. So when Jesus says these, these things, wait, listen, and look, trust God, and then be willing to go and bear witness into these three spaces, he was saying it literally. What does that mean? All right, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, these are all relatively close together. In fact, I have a map here for you. Can you put the map up there? It's a little bit hard to see, so let me describe what's in here. What you can see here on this side is ancient Israel, and you see Judea. Do you see the orange circle? That's Jerusalem. There's Judea, that whole area, that region, and then there's Samaria up there in the green circle. This is about a 60-mile by 40-mile space, all right? So to put that in perspective, I put the Twin Cities map up here, and I did not put the one with all the red dots that show how hard it is to get around right now. Because when I Googled that, that's what came up, was like, this is closed, this is closed, this is closed, good luck. So this is what it is. This is actually twice the scale. Do you get what I'm saying here? Like the Twin Cities metro area, way at the top here we got Elk River, and then down here we have Lakeville and some of these other, it's like double the size of this space that Jesus was talking about. Do you kind of get what I'm saying? Like that when Jesus was saying that you're supposed to go from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth, but Judea and Samaria, he's talking about 60 miles by 40 miles. Somebody with math knows how many square miles that is. And then here we are with double that. It's like northeast, the Twin Cities, and then really Minnesota and beyond, the ends of the earth. That would be like a literal, if we're taking that literally what Jesus was saying to them there, that's our literal from where we are right now. Northeast Minneapolis is where we are, that little circle, yep. And then the Twin Cities would be Judea and Samaria, the Twin Cities regional area, and then the ends of the earth, Ely, Canada, and everywhere past that, <laughs> other duties as assigned. So when we talk about Mill City Church, some of you live here in Northeast, but not a lot. A lot of you live just a little ways out from Northeast, and some of you consider where you work, if you're working 20 miles away, you're covering that whole whatever the square foot is that I can't do the math for, right? And then We've got missionaries and people that we're sending to different spaces. Some of you have left and gone to other cities and come back. We sent you because God's calling you to those new everyday spaces. 
We have missionaries in Indonesia right now, and what they're doing is going to their everyday spaces, where they live and where they work and where they spend time worshiping and playing and learning. They're doing what we're doing here, but there. The ends of the earth for us. But if you were in Indonesia right now, you would start that circle differently, wouldn't you? You get where I'm going? Let me give you just a couple other examples. If, it's geograph if that's the geography of it, let's look at it vocationally. One of my favorite scholars is named Amy Sherman, and she talks about the industries, the industries that we might think of. So if we were thinking about industries, I just put some examples up here, okay? How about the service industry, the tech field, and healthcare? Jerusalem, Judea, the ends of the earth. How about social work, finance, and transportation? The places that you're sent into to bear witness to who Jesus is. How about education, art and design, and engineering? Can everybody in their brain just put their vocation in there if it's not up there right now? That's, I think, a very helpful interpretation and hermeneutical lens to look into what that might mean for us today. Okay, let's look at this from a personal standpoint, okay, just personally. Personally, you might say your family, your neighborhood where you live, and then your workplace, because some of you said that your workplace sounds like it's like the ends of the earth to me. Some of you are driving like to the ends of the earth for work. That's a lot of gas. So, yeah. How about this? Think about it this way. The cubicle, the boardroom, and the skyway. Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, the ends of the earth. How about your desk, your warehouse, and your driving route? Can you put three things in there right now for your work and imagine what it would mean for you personally, from a personal level, to take on this, this exhortation that Jesus gives? Okay, finally, I want to do one last one. And this is the community. Churches, parks, schools, right? Community spaces. Well, we know there's more than just those. I'm going to give you three more. Co-ops, coffee shops, and breweries, right? Community spaces. Can you think of the three spaces that are community spaces where you spend most of your time right now? For me, definitely coffee shops and definitely breweries because remember I mentioned in my neighborhood, there's a brewery right there. And part of being called to that neighborhood is to get to know the coffee shops, the businesses, the breweries, the schools. There's a new school opening up in our neighborhood. And so this summer, my husband and I said, okay, what would it look like for us to do an experiment on how to bear witness to who Jesus is in this community space of this brewery, 56 Brewery? Um, if you haven't been there, the owner, his name's Kale and his wife, they are Christians, and they have a bunch of people working for them, and one of the things they get to do in the summer is play on a kickball team. Community kickball, all right? Softball teams, kickball teams, and broomball teams. I don't, you, know, you know where I'm going with this. So my husband and I sign up for the kickball team because they need some extra people and he works there every once in a while. And so we joined this kickball team and our experiment was to say, what would it look like for us to get to know these people and build relationships with them and be able to bear witness to who Jesus is? And our assumption was that we might spend the whole summer and it wouldn't be enough time and enough relationship to, to jump into a bunch of faith topics. Guess what? It wasn't. But the week and a half after that kickball season ended, I kid you not, Four different people from that kickball team approached us when we were at the brewery at a different time and said things like, so you guys are Christians. I, this is, I seriously happened. Tell me about, like, what's that about? <laughs> like, ask me straight up. So you're a pastor. So these kinds of conversations. One guy said to me, hey, this is how he started the conversation. He said, hey, I got to tell you something about Christians. <laughs> he says, I hate everything that Christians put on Facebook. And in my brain, I'm going, we're Facebook friends. 
And he goes, but I don't hate anything that you put on Facebook. What's with that? <laughs> we talked for like an hour, you guys. We got into some very deep conversations. And they're going to be ongoing. Why? Because they're in our neighborhood, our, our living neighborhood, right? And my husband works there. It's in his vocational neighborhood. Those conversations begin. But what if I saw myself and my participation in the mission of Mill City Church as only when Mill City Church is gathered together? First of all, I love you guys, but that would not honestly get me up every single day. The mission has to be bigger than that. It has to be expansive, more expansive than that. We go out from this place to be the church in our everyday spaces. So that final thing, the primary space you live, the mission of Mill City Church is in your everyday spaces. The spaces where you worship, where you live, where you work, where you play, where you learn. You get to bear witness to who Jesus is. Start with who Jesus is to you. I got to ask a couple of those, those guys that were on our kickball team, well, who is Jesus to you? What do you, what do, you do with Jesus? Man, was that a good conversation. Beginning to be able to share these things. I'm going to have the worship team come up and the, the communion service can come up as well. I want to do something uh, to kind of close this time. As we kind of step into these next 10 years of Mill City Church, we're going to remain committed to the neighborhood. And what I mean by that is Northeast Minneapolis and our community partners that Mill City Church has partnered with. Yep. And then I also mean the commitment that we have to the neighborhoods that you all represent. Some of you are stepping into that through missional community. Some of you are doing that through your workplace. There's some people starting missional communities in the neighborhoods they live in, but not with church people, but with people in their neighborhood. If you're interested in that, let me know. There's people starting that and trying that. We're committed to equipping you through equipping hour, through these spaces here, through any coaching that you want from our team to be able to do this work. Some of you have lots of barriers in your life that need to be overcome if you're going to be able to do some of that and feel sent out. We want to help you with that. Because at the end of the day, for all of you and me, our primary space to live out the mission of Mill City Church is in our everyday spaces. I want to, I want to say that I am just so proud of all of you because I get to hear so many more stories than most of you get to hear about the ways that you are bearing witness in these spaces. And I'm so proud and I, and I love it. I love telling stories of the ways that you're, you're finding God in your workplace and the ways that you're feeling just equipped in new ways to engage around questions of faith with your kids and with your extended family and all that. I'm just, I get so excited. But in that excitement, I have to recognize something that I actually think I need to apologize for. And I want to apologize for this on behalf of uh, people who might consider themselves professional Christians, all right? I don't really think that's a thing, but people who get paid to be a, a Christian leader like I do, okay? Or missionaries who maybe raise support. You all here are going like, listen, I'm actually, I actually got a job. Did you hear Jesus differentiate between the people who were paid to do that and the people who were working and spending time in their everyday spaces? No. Turns out that's not a distinction that Jesus makes. Jesus doesn't separate the concept of a Christian from a missionary. A missionary is a person who sent. And we, religious leaders, have done a bad job of commissioning you. We've gathered, have you been there to commission missionaries? Have you seen commissioning of pastors to their roles? Great. But you should be commissioned too. And I'm sorry that we haven't done that as well as the church. And Mill City has tried to do that in different ways, and today I want to do that as well. And so I want to ask you to stand, and I want to commission you before we take communion. Stand up, and then after I'm done, You'll be able to walk down these aisles, take the bread, dip it into the cup, and then you'll head out these sides. Um, some people can pray for you on the walls if you need prayer.
but I just want to do this commissioning. This is a, called a book of worship, where somebody wrote down like the way you commission people in this fancy way. And, uh, and I just want to actually commission you from what's called here the, the commissioning of a missionary, because <laughs> that's what you are in your everyday spaces. And so I'm going to read something, and then I'm going to have you read something together on the screen and then give a final reading. This is just a commissioning from, the, from a church to commission mission teams and missionaries, okay? I'm going to ask you a question. The answer, if you say yes, is I do. With the power of the Holy Spirit, do you promise to serve God by serving people, working in cooperation with God, and joining in the body of Christ everywhere you spend your time in order to promote God's glory and introduce other people to Jesus by witnessing through your words, your work, and your worship? The answer is, we do. I'll read this together up here on the screen. We celebrate that the Lord has led us to this moment and prepared us for this mission. We stand to say that we are not alone, that we are with each other in this work. For through God's Spirit, we are together as we go to our separate communities. May God bless you as you go and use you in joining God's kingdom work and in bearing witness to the name of Jesus. God who calls people to go to the ends of the earth and right next door, with the good news of Jesus Christ, we join you today in sending you out as a to this special task and important work. Fill them again with your spirit and ready them for this mission through the touch of their hands and the labor of their backs, through the working of their minds and the words of their mouths. Do your work of communicating good news and extending the kingdom. In this time, may they grow in grace and in their knowledge of you. May they effectively and faithfully serve others in your name, and may they be used in introducing people to Jesus. May they give you glory by their actions. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.